Well, morning. Isn't it exciting you don't get to hear from me? It's great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I've got my buddy here, Sean. So, Sean, I, I mentioned last week, Sean is the chaplain for Youth Corrections. So, he's the chaplain at McLaren Youth Corrections facility down in Woodburn, but he's really the chaplain for all of Youth Corrections in Oregon. So it's kind of a big deal, and he does a lot of stuff. But, but more than that, Sean is one of my favorite people. Uh, he's one of my best friends. Uh, Sean and Unique actually are family favorites. Uh, I think Unique might actually be Ella's favorite adult on the planet. Um, so this is just an amazing couple with an amazing anointing on their life, amazing gifts. Um, and <clears throat> I've been volunteering right now because of COVID. I can't, but I've been volunteering down at McLaren with Sean. And just watching him serve the young men that are down there, his heart for them, his love to invest in them, what he carries on their behalf during the week. It's not just ministry that he does when he's there, but he carries these guys really heavily on his heart. And the impact that he's having there is phenomenal. Um, and I'm excited for an opportunity in the future for some of you to come join us down there when things open back up and see what it is that he does and be able to invest in those guys. So, so uh, I, I want to invite Sean up. He's going to preach this morning. Um, Ooh, actually, and I'm actually going to invite my wife to come up with me, too, oh, yeah, before that's you go right, down. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we wanted to give you a gift from McLaren. Uh, like, like Scotty said, he's been volunteering for years down there, and now he has his own fancy new office. So uh, we have a vocational program at Moody where youth learn how to, you know, work on uh, everything vocational, and they are able to make steel cutouts. And so they made this cutout for him, just Dang. a little Jesus fish, because Scotty is definitely a fisher of men. He's one awesome. that raises up disciples, makes new disciples. And so we just wanted to bless him a little bit with that. And it has to go in your office. I'm sorry if it clashes with your furniture, it's, but it's, it needs to be in It's there. going. All oh, right. Bookshelves <laughs> are going away. Right. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Yeah, thank you so much, Scotty. Awesome. And uh, before we begin, I would love for you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. I'm going to have my lovely wife read that for you. That's the passage we're going to be focusing on today. And uh, if you're able, um, one of the things I'm Baptist, uh, one of the things we do, old school Baptist kind of thing, is we stand in the reading of, the, of God's Word. So if you're able, we'd love for you to stand with, uh, uh, with me and my wife as my wife reads this passage over us. Good morning, everyone. We're coming from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness 
From this time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, honey. Oh, the word of the Lord. So, uh, that's my wife, Unique. Uh, She is uh, my favorite, I won't lie. Uh, She is from California, uh, and we've been married uh, since 2014. Um, She is the most uh, intelligent, hardworking, uh, confident, and just tough uh, person I know. She's a huge encouragement to to me and a a, a great challenge to me, you know, encouraging me to grow and become better and to be who God wants me to be. So thank you so much, honey. And uh, I'm so excited to be here. Since you all chose Scotty and since Scotty chose you all, I've been wanting to be here because Scotty is... Not my favorite, because wife is right up there, but man, he is, he is <laughs> way up there. <laughs> but no, a, a, a close friend, a dear friend, a best friend. He is my, my, my brother in the faith and uh, my partner in the ministry. Uh, just so excited to be here with you. Without COVID, I w- I'm a, kind of a friendly guy. I would have been all over the place, just like touching your face and giving you hugs and all that stuff. But, but just know my love for you all and my excitement to be here with you. And here on Advent, some of us, we didn't grow up with Advent. Uh, For some of us, when we think Advent, we think, oh, well, that's kind of a Catholic thing, but let's be honest here, it's kind of a Christ thing. If you don't know what Advent is, it's celebration and preparation of Christ. We celebrate the fact that God became flesh, dwelt among us, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose back from the dead so that we might have eternal life with him, amen? Amen. It's worthy of celebration, amen? Amen. It's a little early and I'm a little bit energetic, amen? Amen, Amen. all right, so I'm a little bit Baptist, like I said, so I need a little bit of that give and take a little bit, but here's the truth, our God is amazing. He is beautiful. In my job as a chaplain, I provide religious services to everyone. I I make room for the Satanists. I make room for the the Islamists. I make room for the Buddhists and the pagans. I make room for them, but my heart is Christ's. No other faith, no other text, no other God is like our God. And so during Advent, we celebrate God something fierce. We celebrate with our money. We're like, hey, let's get some gifts for these kids that need it so that they might know a little bit of the joy that comes in God. Amen? Amen. Man, we're so excited. We, we, get, we call it family that we really don't like. And we're like, hey, I'm going on my way because God likes you and I like God. And so we, we, we celebrate God during this time. Amen? And like I said, it's a time of celebration and preparation. Preparation because Christ is coming back. Preparation because the reality is sin has been dealt with, but it's not done away with. We still suffer in a broken world. There's way too many kids dying. There's way too many people uh, starving. There's way too many people scared and afraid. There's way too many people that, that, that are, are called to better in settling for less. And so we're preparing for Christ's return. Not that Christ needs us to do anything. God can do anything. But Christ has called us to be a light. Christ has called us to uh, reach out, to be his hands and the feet. God, Christ has called us to be greater than we ever could be on our own. And so we are preparing for Christ's return. 
Today I'm, I'm uh, preaching on peace. This passage focuses on peace. And uh, it's fun talking about peace, working in a place not known for peace. Amen? I, uh, you can imagine having, you know, about, in the Oregon Youth Authority, we have about 1,500 youth in our care at any given time across the state. About half of which are out in the community and probation parole officers. They're in the local high schools, uh, some middle school maybe, high schools, uh, uh, college. They're out and about doing their thing. The other half are incarcerated in the closed custody facilities like McLaren and Woodburn. Uh, and we've got amazing volunteers. One of them, uh, Steve Downs, he is, he is like, uh, I call him a brother, but he's more like my grandpa. <laughs> Long time volunteer, he was like, oh man, I, I, I'm so excited to hear you preach, though he's here as well. But, uh, but yeah, he's been volunteering there for years and he has adopted our boys. Uh, no one has written more letters to youth than this guy during uh, COVID. No one has uh, donated more individually than this man during COVID. No one has fought more than anyone to come in during COVID. This man is a great man. Uh, and you know what's beautiful is, uh, uh, what, what kind of church were you baptized in? Or which one did you first come to know the Lord? An Alliance Church, amen? So he's a wayward son. <laughs> but he comes back and, and as we're singing, he's like, oh, it's been a while since I've been to a worship service like this. And so it's just beautiful. Uh, but in, in this place called McLaren, we have 300 youth. We have youth as young as 12 and as old as 25. You can imagine the chaos. We have 300 of these people. And you know what? They don't get along. <laughs> there's significant hurt, there's significant pain, there's a significant amount of loneliness, there's uh, withdrawals from addictions, there's angry at the system, there's exhaustion and weariness throughout. McLaren is not known as a peaceful place. And here I am, calling them to come to church, asking them to go from a semi-safe place, their living units, of which there's 14, typically about 25 in each, saying, I want you to leave that and come to our larger group. This larger group has 95 youth signed up for it. And I guarantee you, the 95 youth don't like each other. Man, I mean, I know you guys are a beautiful church, you get along all the time, 100%, you are skilled and loving in God, but not all the time, church is a peaceful place. And, and in, in my church services, I've got rival gangs. I've got Bloods and Crips, Nortinos, Satinos. They don't like each other, just out of precedence. Oh, I've got racist and minority groups who do not get along, you can imagine that, amen? Oh man, I've got people over here who hurt the brother of this kid over here. I've got a person over here who assaulted the mom of this kid over here. I want to tell you about a place that is not known for peace. Let me tell you about my church service. And so my, my task is not only signing them up for the church service and hopefully presenting the word in a way that is effective and applicable to them, something that's encouraging, gives them hope in spite of their circumstances, but I'm called to make peace in this chaos. 
And so what I do every single week, and I'm going to, you know, prepare yourself. This is intense. Every single week I make this, I have this list, 95 youth. And then I talk to every treatment team of every single youth, and I say, is there any issues I need to be aware of? And then I take the same list and I send it to our conflicts resolution coordinator and our security team to say, is there any conflicts I need to be aware of? And if there are, I then go and I talk with the youth saying, are you going to fight this kid? Are you going to do something during my service? And then, then on the day of, I go through and I go through all the YIRs, youth incident reports. And I see, is anyone dysregulated? Have they had a drug issue recently and maybe they're kind of high on something or coming down on something? Or, 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 or did they get in a fight recently and so they're dysregulated? I do all this work to try my best to give them peace. Because what I don't want is for a kid who's praying before our almighty God to be sucker punched in the back of the head. I don't want God's holy place that is meant for healing to be a place where a person got injured. And I do my best but the crazy thing is, I cannot promise peace. All that work, every single time, and it continues in the church service. Before the church service, I tell them every single week so much they can re repeat it back to me about our rules. I do everything I can, but I still can't promise peace. There's limitations to my ability to create peace. See, that's the problem of peace. Doesn't matter what we do. Doesn't matter how much we plan and prepare, save up and go. It doesn't matter how big our walls are. We cannot promise peace to our family and our friends. Shoot, we can't even promise peace to ourselves. So we have this problem of peace. So what do we do? See this, uh, this verse, it comes in this book, Isaiah. And some of y'all will be like, this is Christmas season. Why are you going to Isaiah? See, this prophet, it kind of talks about Christ almost as much as the Gospels does. It's a beautiful book. It's a complicated book. Get a commentary. It's a lot going on there. But man, it's a beautiful book. This is where that prophecy that, 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 that the Messiah will come, born of a virgin, comes from. This is where we get Prince of Peace from in the text I'm reading today. And so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching the Gospels today in this Advent sermon, but I'm touching the Gospel before the Gospel. And you see, this prophet Isaiah was given a uh, uh, commission by God, this beautiful thing where, where he's standing before God's throne, and he is sent to preach to a people that will not listen. But he goes forward confidently, send me, I'll go. And he goes to this king, King Ahaz, uh, he's found in 2 Kings chapter 16. If you want to study up later on, 2 Kings chapter 16, that's where he's at. And in 2 Kings, this, we, we get to know this guy Isaiah is preaching to in this passage we're studying today. We find out that he is not like David. David is this beautiful king who followed God and brought everyone closer to God, won victories and did amazing things. To God be the glory of a hero of our faith. Second Kings go out of its way to say, he's not like that. Ahaz is actually, uh, you can't really distinguish him from the neighboring nations. He's just like everyone else. In some ways, he's probably a little bit worse. We see in that Second Kings chapter 16 that he once uh, uh, sacrificed his son 
threw his son into a fire to appease another god and hopefully create a little, little bit of peace for himself. Oh, he's a bad, bad king, especially for God's people who are called to be different than the world. He's acting just like them. He's doing all the world does to create peace, making alliances, sacrificing to every god that's available, relying on his money and his influence, relying on allies, relying on this world to produce peace. But here he finds himself uh, uh, being threatened. We have the northern kingdom coming down, knocking on the doors with, the, with an ally of theirs saying, we want to come in, we want to take over, and we want to take all. See, all the preparation this, this King Ahaz has done, all this stuff this, this king has invested into peace of his nation, it has not promised peace for anyone. And so he is terrified. I know this because in Isaiah, just a couple of ch uh, chapters earlier, uh, in Isaiah 7, it literally says the king and the nation of Judah is shaking like a tree in a storm. That's rough. I'll tell you one thing in McLaren, the one thing you don't want to be known as is a punk. You guys might not know what that means is, it means a coward, a person who takes the hit, a person who's just, you know, used and abused kind of thing. No one wants to be a punk, and here we have this king being punked out. And so, Isaiah comes before this terrified king. And he says these words. Let's look at them a little bit closer, amen? So, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 2. It says, The people walk in darkness, have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It's talking about people who are tired and scared. See, sometimes when we think of dark, we think of good. Like, like, like a, a dark plum is like a really good plum. Ooh, a dark room is, is the deepest sleep. But this is the bad type of dark. This is the dark that, you know, the darkness that you find in the woods where every little creaking and every little, you know, rustling, you assume it's a bear going to kill you, right? Like, it's a bad situation. There's no peace to be found in that situation. And he's talking about us. And he's talking about them who find themselves trying everything they can on their own to be safe in the middle of a dark world. And this prophet says to him, there is hope. There's, there's a solution to the, pro the problem of peace. It's not going to be found in your own ability, but it is real. This is huge for us who kind of want to give up right now. Who say, you know what? <sighs> Everyone's frustrating me, and I'm frustrating everyone. Everyone uh, doesn't understand me, and I don't get anyone. And so he's talking about us who are worn out and scared, those of us who are lacking peace and desire. He's saying there is hope. And then he paints this beautiful picture, this victorious picture in the next little bit. It says, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before, uh, for you, before you as people rejoice at a harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. It's talking about you're super excited when you win that competition. You're super excited when you win that war because there are spoils to war. And he's saying in, in verse 4, And as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod 
of their oppressors. Every warrior's boots used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destroyed for burning, will be fuel for the fire. I want to start off with this Midian thing. Some of us uh, were like, ah, oh, it sounds familiar. What is it from? It's from Gideon. There's this cool guy in Judges chapter 7. Gideon's over here. He won a battle without ever fighting. That's good news to a king who's saying, there's a bigger nation. They got allies and they're attacking me. I don't have a big enough army. This one, this story is a super small army who never had to fight, who won an impossible battle. Isaiah is telling this king who, who is afraid that there is hope. I, I feel like there's something deeper in here. See, a thing we need to know about Gideon is, is God showed him a sign. Showed him a sign before uh, trusting in him before this battle. Showed him a sign to help uh, uh, secure him, help him, you know, latch on to God and trust God and not in his own abilities and his own understandings. What, what, what Gideon did, he's like, okay, I'll trust you, God, if you make this uh, piece of fabric wet in the morning and the, and the, the area around it dry. God does it. He's like, oh, it's amazing, God. I need another sign. I'm not really sure. You're asking me to do a whole lot. And so, so, uh, so, God, so he says, well, God, reverse it. I, I, I want the, the, everything to be wet except for this fleece. I want everything to be wet except for this little cloth. And God does it. I think this is interesting because one thing that I didn't cover in this is just before Isaiah said, ask God for a sign and he will give it to you. Ask God for a sign. I know he's asking for a lot. Trust him when the enemy's at the gates, but ask God for a sign and he will do it. And the king's response is, don't show me a sign. I'm going to handle this on my own. I'm going to stop talking about the, the king here because he's not our role model in this one. <laughs> this king ends up rejecting this message of hope, rejecting this opportunity to see God do something crazy. I would ask for my grandpa to come back, amen? I would ask for the, the ability to fly for a day. Something crazy. There was no like stipulations on this sign, but he said, don't show me a sign. I've already made up my decision. What he goes and does is he steals from the temple and gives it to a horrible nation called Assyria. If you're familiar, familiar with uh, Jonah, and, and him running from God who called him to Nineveh. This is that nation, a terrible nation. Puts the Nazis to shame. Awful nation. Treasures from the temple given to them saying, will you fight our battle for us? You can be sure that that peace was, did not stay for very long. But where do we pick up? We pick up in, in verse... Six, four, to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Child is interesting because uh, he's talking about the Messiah, but why, why a child? Uh, I think it's more than just, you know, talking about the nativity. I think it's also talking about you got to wait a little bit. This Messiah is coming. He's, he, he isn't fully matured. It's not quite the right time for him to take the throne. I think he's pointing to be patient here just a little bit. 
But he says, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the God will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. What do we need when we are afraid? Someone to counsel us, that, that kind parent to come by us and say, it's going to be okay. I don't know about you guys, I'm a sucker on the scratches on the back. I need a little Messiah come and scratch me on the back and say, it's going to be okay. Wonderful Counselor. He's not only that, he's Mighty God, meaning no one can beat him. Mighty God, there is no one above him. Mighty God, there is no one that can defeat him, no one that can get away from him. He is power incarnate. Of his everlasting God, uh, the everlasting Father, and then Prince of Peace. See, the, the problem of peace is solved in the Prince of Peace. Sure sounds nice, doesn't it? The problem of peace is solved in the Prince of Peace. Let me, let me read a little bit further. He says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Meaning everywhere, always, doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter who you are, this peace is for you. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness for the time on and forever, meaning this is a perfect peace. This is not a temporary peace saying, at least I'm good for now. This is a forever peace. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being able to sleep through the night and not have to worry about finances? Can you imagine sleeping through night not worried about that conversation you're going to have with your boss? Because it always goes bad. Can you imagine your, your home being united? Your home being whole? Can you imagine a world, a nation that's no longer us, them, but us and we? Can you imagine a world where, where the prince of peace is on the throne and not men and their schemes? Can you imagine what it must feel like to be in that kingdom? Oh, I tell you what, for me, it makes me want to cry. I'm like, God, why isn't that now? Why isn't that now? My boys suffered enough. My family is in danger. I see all these smart people with all these great plans, but I find no hope in them. I look at the problem in the world and I see no solutions. People ask me, saying, Reverend Sean, you study all these faiths, you know all these things, and you're around all these people. And the reason why I'm a Christian is not because the people are better. The reason why I'm a Christian isn't because the argument is greater. The reason why I'm a Christian is because I believe in this Prince of Peace. This is my hope. This is when I look at my boys who have a, a problem. Their, their mom has three jobs. Their dad is deported. They've got four brothers and sisters, and they're 12-year-old having to make money for the whole family. I look at them and I say, it makes sense that you're selling drugs. I don't have a solution to you, but God does. Your life is going to be a struggle. You've been born in that. You're going to live in that. But there's a prince of peace coming, Amen. But it's not here yet. 
In the season of Advent, we are preparing for Christ coming back, for the Prince of Peace to be on the throne. So what do we do? What do we do? So I'm going to be cute for a second. Feel free to write this down because I think it's, I think it's nice. Uh, <laughs> what do we do when we feel the enemy knocking at our door? What do we do when we recognize that there's a limitation to our strength? What do we do when we understand that our understanding isn't enough to solve their problems? What do we do when we're overwhelmed and humbled by the the enemy at our gates? And this is my call for my brothers and sisters, is to pre-prayer with pre-prayer. I come from Oklahoma, so let me articulate. Prepare. So you, 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 you see trouble coming, you're planning for the worst, and you're taking uh, actions right now to be prepared for that conflict, be prepared for that issue. And what I don't want us to do is be like this king who runs to allies and runs to this world and runs to his intelligence and, and, and uh, compromises morality to produce a temporary peace, but for us to prepare with pre prayer. I would argue the majority of the fights and issues we we come into, we see them coming. Shoot, we got holidays coming, amen? Shoot, we're going to be on Skype, but you know there's going to be that one cousin or that one brother or that one spouse or or someone in the family who's just showed up a little crotchety, who's not going to allow us to have a holly jolly. We see it coming. Oh, when it, when it comes to fights, when it comes to fights at our work between our, our, our colleagues and our bosses, we know that it's coming because we have the meeting scheduled on our calendar. We know it's coming because it's happened five times before. Oh, when we're driving home from a long day of work and we know our spouse and our kids are waiting for us. And you know, you're burnt out. And if they say something weird, you're going to make just... You're going you're gonna to be your worst self in that moment. You know that because you've seen it in your past. Most of the conflicts, most of the, the struggles we have, we see them coming, but we don't prepare right. My call for my brothers and sisters, as we wait for Christ, the, the Prince of Peace, to come in and establish a perfect peace, for us who are struggling through this broken world, to prepare with pre-prayer. Just this last week, I had a, a tough conversation with my boss, his boss, and his boss's boss, and his boss's boss's boss. There was a lot of bosses talking with me. You know it's a bad meeting when you have so many bosses going to want to talk with you. See, I've been working for the last about three years for, for uh, 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 some negotiations going back and forth. I won't go into the details, but I saw the conflict coming. I was like, I'm going to handle this like a Christian. So I prayed. Prayed over James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It's like, God, 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 please, please, please. Give me wisdom. Give me protection. Give me direction. Help me handle this disappointment in a way that that brings you honor and sheds light on the darkness. And I'm speaking on this side of that meeting. Did it go the way I wanted to? No. I wanted the Prince of Peace to come in and just like, Sean's right. Did not work out that way. But my God showed up in me said, I will give you peace when they don't give it to you. I was able to thank them for taking the time to give me the bad news, acknowledging the fact that no one likes to do that. 
I was able to argue my case more effectively, more clearly than I ever have before in a way that was not belittling, was not accusatory, but one that spoke truth. I left that meeting with all the, 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 uh, the people in it coming back to me later on and saying, no, we really heard you. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if something can happen. I don't put my hope in them because it's a state agency. Amen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I know Christ showed up in that moment. I know I made my father proud. And so I would like to bow our heads as we... Uh, uh, as I invite the worship team to come up and, and, uh, and sing a couple of last songs. So please bow your heads and pray with me. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. This opportunity to uh, shed a little light on a dark place. McLaren needs you, God. And I thank you for hearing my prayers and for hearing the prayers of my brothers and sisters here today for them. I pray a blessing over my boys and over my girls that you would be their refuge and you would be their prince of peace, that you would humble them just enough so they might repent, and you might strengthen them just enough so that they might shine, God. And God, I ask the same thing for my brothers and sisters here. This world is, is divided, and we spend way too much time on the Internet making uh, worldly things our main thing. But God, we take this moment, we recognize that you're our main thing. You're where our hope is. What's more important, this argument or this relationship, when we recognize that through you we can have this relationship? So God, I pray that you be with myself, my brothers and sisters here today. Help us prepare, prepare by coming before you with pre-prayer. Help us to seek you and not solutions in this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much, Chaplain Sean. Uh, won't you guys stand with us for a closing song?